And here we are at episode 31 of LOI Weekly in association with Independent.ie and Air Sports. We're on Podcast Republic Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, and at LOI Weekly on Twitter. And delighted to be joined by Des Curran, uh, the voice you would argue of Air Sports. Uh, although you're wearing a Nike top, Des, which is a fairly... Uh, you know, I mean, we've had Neil Finn in here with the clobber he's worn. You know, even, uh, no, even there's, there's no comparison there now. <laughs> How are you getting on? I'm getting on well. Uh, could I? Ju- we're lucky to be up here. Actually, you got very distracted by the subway meltdown Aww. stairs for 99 cents. I didn't think we were going to bring you up here today. This was, like there was no word of this at all. An early pod. <laughs> you imagine now I'm having a healthy week, but you're hung over after dubs and all that. 99 cent for a subway breakfast. You know, grease fill roll. That would just set me up for the day. You'd be happy with that? I would. 99 cent, like. I mean, (laughs) I'd say even the costs of actually putting it together would be more than that, um, although that's debatable. But, uh, right, we have an interesting show, because we're going to very shortly have Sean Gannon on the line. And uh, Sean had a great game, of course, on Saturday in the EA Sports Cup final, which ended Rovers 3, Rovers nil Dundalk 3. What did you make of it, actually, Des? Uh, You were commentating on it with a good team of analysts as well. Yeah, Brian Kerr was with me, and we had Pat Fennell and Damien Lynch down the sideline. Um, I, I thought Dundalk were great value for it, to be honest. I thought, I asked Brian towards the end of the game, you know, when, when, when the result was more, I think it was 2 0 at the time before the Thomas Stewart goal. I said, you know, what have we seen here today in terms of we all know where Rovers are trying to get to, but we know where Dundalk are and have been. So is it a case if we've seen a sort of an established and a mature Dundalk team up against a Rovers side that's on the up and, and knows where they want to go? And I think that, that was more or less it. I think Dundalk, from the very start, I think the midfield three were excellent. Chris Shields, just established control of it. Patrick McElhenney had a quiet game, scored a wonder goal, of course, but it just goes to show all around him, and even with the changes Stephen Kenny made to his starting eleven, which were, were some big changes as well, I thought they were definitely good value for it. And I think it was brought up at the weekend that Dublin had six new faces in the All-Ireland final this year compared to last year, and that is a big thing with Dundalk. When you looked at the players that were introduced in at the end, you know, uh, Stephen O'Donnell came on, Stewart obviously scored, um, Kinsella came on and, you know, the back four drastically changed. There is this kind of evolution going on. Yeah, um, you know, the point was made as well, you know, that it, it's a new Rovers side. You look back to the, their first league game of the season, it was only Simon Madden and Brandon Mila who were there from the first game of the previous season. So it's, it's an awful lot for Stephen Bradley Two to players. deal with. Two players that's, from the that's starting mad. 11. It's a huge turnover. Yeah. Um, and you look at Dundalk then and the players they've lost, and that was a big narrative at the start of the season. But I think... The players they brought in have been very good, especially Michael Duffy. I think Vemlin was a great signing because he can play right back. He can play, we can pretty much play anywhere. You can put him anywhere. Um, but I think the players they brought in, the ones who are still around them are, are ones who have, won, who have won things under Stephen Kenny. So if you're coming into that situation rather than, say, nine new players coming into a Rovers team, that'll take a long time to get things right. They've mm. got it right towards the end of the season. But if you look at what Dundalk have done, I was adding up their goals tally, even after the weekend now. 39 games, 94 goals. And that's phenomenal. And their and last eight games, 3-0, 3-0, 4-0, 4-0, 3-1, 6-0, 4-0, 3-0. 3-0. Yeah, and I mentioned for Jake Donnelly, the only man to score yeah. against them for Crumlin. We give yeah. him a nod as well. <laughs> and uh, just on Rovers now, because this reminded me a little bit of the first game of the season where uh, Graham Burke got sent off for a tackle that was just kind of quite, quite mad. And yeah. I think... The tackle from Bulger was quite similar. It was kind of like he went in in the tackle and then he kind of did was the an extra. Yeah. But, you know, um, Derek, who's our, our sound guru on the show, was talking about Pat Fenlon, how he used to play with Fenlon when they were kids. And Fenlon was tiny, like, but he put himself about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Bulger is he's so slight, like, and I'm just looking at him there. He's 17 years of age. What happened on Saturday wouldn't worry me in the slightest. The two... The two yellow cards he got, he was really aggressive. And I was thinking, like, this is like a young Roy Keane in a sense. Like, he's he's playing against physically, mammothly superior players, and he doesn't care. He's 17 years of age. And but Bradley's, it was costly, Johnny. It was very costly. It was costly, but it, it lost him in the an EA Sports Cup final. Okay, that's fine. It, in, the, in the overall scheme of things, I'm not going to be too worried about that. I don't think Rovers are. Rovers want to win the Cup this year. They want to win the FAI Cup. And Bulger, 17 years of age, this is a team that's learning. And I think up until that point, they could easily have scored in the first half. I'd be very happy with where Rovers are. And they were missing Burke and Grace. People don't realise how good Grace is still. No, no I'm a huge huge fan of Grace and I saw him I think there was a three game run and one of them was up in Dundalk actually and he was just I, I said someone's got to come in for him soon someone's got to come in for him and then Rovers did and I, I remember I was, I was texting Stephen MacPhail and I just said Jesus you, I think you've got a good one there and he said yeah and he said that, that's the hope now that he can sort that out 25 
grand. I'm sick. I've You're sick. <laughs> yeah. sick. Oh, that, that's grand. what you got for it. Yeah. 25 yeah, yeah, yeah. grand. Yeah. That's, I mean, and, you know, for Shane Keegan, if we do go down this season, which is obviously touch and go, that'll be the one he'd be like. Because mm. this guy is so good, like. He is. But, but that said, now, I would say that Lopez and Webster, I don't think they put a foot wrong at the mm. weekend. You know, so it's good now. They've healthy competition, two out of three there. First goal was a big balls up, though. I think it was O'Connor lost. Do you uh, think? Yeah, he, it, was, it was a fairly simple set-piece move from a corner. Bad, bad. Free header from Macmillan. And Macmillan is constantly being linked with a move away. Is he good enough? Well, firstly, on the goal, I, I, I have to disagree with you. I think if you look at it and you look at Rovers, they're not a big team mm. defending set pieces, okay? So you've got, I had a look back at it and Vemelund was on, or Webster, Webster was on Vemelund and Lopez was on Hoare, who'd be two good headers of a ball there. And then who, who have you got left? You've Michael O'Connor, who's the other big guy. Now, Dundalk are clever. You put your three guys in a little pack and then all you need is one blocker. And Sean Hoare was the blocker. And I, I, I wouldn't put any of the blame on Michael O'Connor at all because it's just clever from Dundalk. All you need is one guy to take one step across well, he didn't mark his man, and all of a sudden he's scrambling. Do you know what I mean? You have to mark if your man at there, all costs. Like, yeah. No, I understand. But if you've been there, it's impossible in it, when you've got six lads that close together mm. and they know Dundalk or know what they're doing. They're freeing up one man out of their three. All you need is a split second. And if Macmillan's gone and the corner's a good delivery then you're two yards behind, you're not going to get there. And McElhinney's goal was, it wasn't up there with his best goals, I think the season he had so much time <laughs> yeah. on it, because his goals just ridiculous. Like, yeah, he set the bar as, high. Well, as the boy said on, on uh, Twitter lately, we could just have a McElhinney goal of the season. Yeah. And uh, I just I keep saying this, like, how is this guy not playing? This guy should be playing, I think, for Ireland, not to mind. I, I'm telling you he's that good, I think, anyway. Yeah, the pro- I think the problem is, he, he set the bar so high now, that any time he has a game that's, you know, a so-so game, a six or a seven, your p- people are maybe thinking, oh, you know, can he, not, can he not be a nine every week? But he can't be. You know, it's impossible. But the sign of a good player, he was quiet, I thought, in, in the cup final. But then that one chance he had, what a goal. What a goal. Beautiful finish. Yeah. And a uh, beautiful goal by Stuart as well, set up uh, by Sean Gannon. And Sean, how are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad keeping well. Just um, avoid going out and watching the game later tonight and hopefully win a cup final, you know. Speaking of going out, you were spotted in Nolita's on Saturday night. No leaders, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rare, rare occasion, rare occasion that we get to, you know, go out as a team. You know, obviously with being out the games and and training, that it's pretty demanding during the season. So, um, good for us to get out as a as a squad and just celebrate. You know, obviously picking up a piece of silverware, but now that's done and dusted now. So obviously we're looking forward to the games this week and big week ahead for us. Did you poll? What? Did you poll? Don't know, I'm uh, no, I'm off, I'm off the market at the moment anyway. So, uh, <laughs> he says all the there. right things. Yeah. Uh, actually, on that though, Stephen O'Donnell said to me, I think there about a month ago, he's had a, I think he's had two drinks this year. And like, uh, are you like ga-, ga players in the sense that you live very kind of uh, healthy lives off the pitch, or are you under pressure in that regard, or how does it go? Yeah, no, it's um, we don't, we don't. Obviously, I think, I think we're probably our first fourth team night out. You know, as a as a squad this year, we've got a lot of new players and that. So. Um, yeah, we do. It's 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 quite demanding. We don't. I wouldn't even say we have a social life. To be honest, you know, it's just. Uh, but we we all devote ourselves to cause and um, you know, try try do things the right way and you know give give a hundred percent towards everything. I think that's demanded from us by the staff as well. And we've got a good group that boys into it and think um, you know if we want to if we want to try win things and you know as a team we need to probably you know, dedicate everything towards it. As a club, Sean, it was a very good week, wasn't it? Because the under-19s won the end of McGill. Um, huge for them, first time Dundalk ever won it. And then you go on and win another League Cup. It was interesting to hear Stephen Kenny afterwards saying, you know, we could have played better. I, th- I thought it was a, a pretty complete performance for a cup final. Yeah, I think um, you know, with regards to the 19s, there's a lot of good players in the under-19 squad and they've they've come up and trained with us. And you can definitely see that quality, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's good times for Dundalk. There's a lot of good players coming through. And a lot of them have been around the squad, and obviously some of them were involved in the squad today for for the senior cup final, you know. So good experience for them, and I think the, the cup final today, I would say it was a good game to watch. To be honest, I didn't think there was too much, too much between the two teams. You know, obviously we went we went ahead early, and Rovers had a couple of chances, but I think I think Stephen always demands more from us. Like I think we can we can play a lot better. <laughs> I think that was a general feeling that you know, although we won the game. 3-0 which probably changed after the sending off obviously Rovers came out and there was more space to play in and 
we kind of you know got two two late goals. Um, uh, I think we definitely can play better and move the ball better and, and keep it better. But no, it's something to improve on now when we when we meet them again now in, in a week's time. Yeah, we're looking forward to that one. Um, just in terms of, I mean, we were looking at the team sheets when they came out and there was a real delay on the Rovers team sheet. We got that very, very late. But just on year one, um, some very interesting calls from, from Stephen, I guess. Gabriel Sava, even though he played every round, he stayed in. Um, Sean Hoare came in. Jamie McGrath came in. And we were looking, we were talking, um, myself and Brian Kerr and the, the commentary, you know that regular back four that's been there for a few years. It was only yourself who, who started that game. How far out did you know the lineup? Um, I think we, we we knew. You know, we always work on things the day before and, and that like so. Um, Stevens, you know, really kind of showed the strength of our squad there. You know, by making the the changes. I mean, it's in terms of the back four. I think yeah, we've had a settled back four for a long time, but. You know the the quality of the players that Stevens brought in. You know, obviously Shane Grimes has got a you know a run of games together as well. He's had a, a serious injury, like, and he's come back and he's you know a testament to himself. He's not really fit, and you know he's he's got it in well with that with Dane injured, and you know um, he showed that he could play play at any time with, with himself. Nicholas has played a good few games right back when I was injured, and he showed that he's uh, he can play anywhere. And Sean Hoare and Nicholas there. They played together the other day and, and looked a good partnership, and obviously Brian as well. So there's plenty of competition in the squads, you know, there, there really is. And Jamie as well, and then Gabby, they've played a lot of rounds in the cup. So Stephen stuck with them, and you know, I think they, they, they didn't look they didn't look out of place. You know, it's, it's, it's anyone, anybody in the squad can play at any time, and I think that that's just going to show the competition for places. And you know, if you're not mm-hmm. playing, that someone else is going to come in and, and play for you, you know. Yeah, I think that was just, by my reckoning anyway, just the third time that Sean Hoare and Nicholas Vemelin started as a centre-back pairing this year. Yeah, and I think it's probably, you know, they, were, they were as good as any partnership that's played. And probably, you know, they, they, they look, they're two very, very good footballers, you know, on the ball as well. So they're two two great assets and, you know, they're obviously young players as well. So um, definitely two great assets to have in the squad. Just lastly, Sean, um you know, we we all talk about the European runs that you had and all that, and I, obviously Stephen's already talking about next season trying to build. Do you see the squad breaking up a little bit? Do you see players coming in and out? Where do you see yourself even next season? Um, I don't really, I don't know to be honest. Obviously, I'm just you know keeping keeping my head head on the dock. I'm a Dundalk player. I'm loving, I'm loving playing for Dundalk. I've had four you know unbelievable years at Dundalk, and it's a great, it's a great club to play for, and you know it's a great team to be a part of. And um, I'm just kind of, you know, concentrating on having a strong finish to the season, and now, you know, as a team finishing as as well as we can, and then obviously come the end of the season, just assess and obviously speak to Stephen and um, go from there. Do Do you not feel a little bit unfortunate in the sense that, especially when you looked at your pass there for the last goal on Saturday, and how well you've played in Europe consistently, that you haven't been sort of linked maybe as much uh, with a move abroad as some of the other lads? Not really, to be honest. I think. Uh, all the lads that have that have moved from Dundalk have been, you know, obviously brilliant players and, and deserve their moves. And you know, we all want to see them do well. I think, as myself, I just want to, you know, keep keep improving and keep playing and keep enjoying my football. I think, you know, enjoying my football is, you know, a, a definitely a priority for me. You know, when I started playing the league, I was kind of I wasn't playing a lot. You know, I was kind of in and out of teams and things like that until I went to Dundalk. And obviously, I've been, you know, tortured. I've been. You know, I've got too many injuries and I've been able to play a lot of games. And I think just enjoying my football is the main thing for me and um, see where that leads me. But it's it's something that I wouldn't think about. You know, I'm, I'm happy I'm playing European football with Dundalk. I'm playing in, obviously, last year, big European nights and great to be part of things like that. And, you know, if I can just be part of big games and keep developing, then I'm happy enough. Happy days, Sean. And thanks a million for joining us. No worries. No worries, lad. Thanks for having me. And and what was interesting there, Des, was that he was uh, maybe a little bit vague about his plans for next season, but um, we have heard some rumours that he might be linked with, among other clubs, Rovers. Like um, We have, is it? <laughs> uh, it's been doing the rounds. Uh, Shane Supple strongly linked with Dundalk as well in the Indo last week. I um, think that might happen. It was also put to me he could end up playing for the Dubs. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, Gannon is a good, good player. And He's pro- a super player. Probably yeah. good enough to really have gone to ne- the next level but obviously hasn't yet anyway and he's happy yeah. in where he is well he's still what he's mid-20s maybe 24, 25 um, th- there's a lot of good things that he does you know he's very comfortable on the ball we, I mean the pass for the, the Thomas Stewart goal was just 
you know, any number 10 in the league would have been happy with that pass. And I think he's just very, he's a very dependable fullback as well. You know, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of positives from there. And Stephen Kenny, obviously, you know, may, I mean, maybe, you know, when you're in this league, you have to think what's coming down the line and Vemelin coming in, Sean Hoare coming in as well. If Gannon was to go or was to receive an offer, then, you know, there are other options there for Dundalk. Rarely gives away the ball. Yeah, very good on it. Very mm. good. I think he came through Kevin's or somewhere like that, didn't he? So a good grounding probably. And uh, before we get to our guest, uh, Brendan Clark, who's waiting patiently here, uh, we'll, go, we'll get through the results, which we'll start with. His own team, Limerick, won. Uh, Bray Wanderers won uh, the other way around. Obviously, that was in the Carlisle grounds. Bray missed a penalty. Um, Brendan saved a penalty, I think is what you want to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there he is in the back house. Uh, Brendan, how are you getting on? Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tame enough old penalty, though. That was a great penalty. <laughs> right for the corner. Um, <laughs> Drogheda United won Bowes 4. Uh, we're going to have to talk about the goals in that game. Oh, yeah. Now, Brendan, I wouldn't have been happy with some of the goalkeeping, but the, did you see the Soccer Republic? I did. I've seen the goals, yeah. Would you have saved... How many of the four... Many of the four Bowes goals would you have saved? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to come on here and start hammering goalkeepers in there. And he's know? had a good season. He's had a lot he's to a do. Steven's, like. Steven's a very yeah. good goalkeeper. You Probably know? wasn't his best um, night, maybe, but like... No, listen, I'm sure he'll do his... His post-match kind of analysis when, you know, and then obviously look at the goals and he, he might be disappointed with, with one or two of them, but listen, he'll 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 bounce back and I'm sure put in good keeper good performance. Yeah, good, yeah, very good keeper. He's, you know, coming from Bray and 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 into Drogheda, then he's he's really made that number one jersey his own at, at Drogheda this year. You know, and the goals, in fairness, uh, the hat trick from Ward and Corcoran's, he's unbelievable. Which was quality. better, Keith Keith Ward's third or Denny Corcoran's goal? See. The the technique of, of Keats, I love an outside of the foot, but I think he probably should have saved that. Whereas Dinny's, I wouldn't blame him at all. Mm. Dinny Corkman, though, just you're looking at some... Every time I watch him, he's such an intelligent player. Like, he's passing his movement. He's not that quick, but he's just had such a good season. Lads. And do you know what as well? He's missed a chunk of the season through mm. injury. I think if you look at his goals, he scored 15 goals this season, 13 league goals for a side that was in the bottom half for much of it. He's had an unbelievable season. And somebody even said to me at Sligo where he would have been deemed a failure. His actual goal record is very good. Mm. You know, and I saw him at Pats. You would have seen him at Pats. I, I thought his confidence was shot. I just thought he was gone. He just wanted to be maybe back at Bowes. Yeah, listen, he, he came in to us from Sligo and obviously it's, it's hard to get in, you know, ahead of Christy Fagan when he was, you know, firing on all cylinders, you know. So we kind of had to wait and maybe play 10 minutes here and there and... It just didn't. It just didn't happen for him. It happens sometimes that like, you go to a club and it just doesn't happen, and you know you move somewhere else. Like then he's gone back to the Bohemians and has done really well this year. Yeah. And every time I see Bowes, they look such a happy lot. The players, like you know, they just seem to really gel together. Yeah, I think they're all maybe in around the same age. So you know, there's a real good good group there, and obviously they've got Keith and 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 Trevor, fantastic coach, and you know they're all you know pulling together. It's it's a really hard team to break down. We've been lucky enough to beat them a couple of times this year, and. Through extremely tough games, and you know that they are all they're all together. You know, they could be crucial wins as well. Come the end of the season, and um, mentioned to Oscar Brennan, who was on the show. Unfortunately, got a couple of yellows, but uh, notable that the boss said he's going to be a big loss afterwards. And Galway United two, Derry City one. I I missed this game actually. I was getting um, I was getting the Lewis. And uh, while I was waiting for the Lewis, I realised I hadn't my cards, um, so I couldn't book the train. And then I got the next Lewis, and I was, I was just about to make it, and um, a horse and cart came on the Lewis line, right? So the Lewis was held up for about three minutes, and I missed the, missed the match, which is a really pathetic excuse, but I missed the match. There was a bad crowd at it, 875. And I have to say, lads, Derry looked terrible in the highlights. They looked like they were, now they're missing a lot of good players, but... Um, they seem to have fallen away. They really do. It just it was mm. such a limp performance from them. Like I mean, they, I think they, I think they one shot on goal almost like that. That that uh, Conor Wynn had to save. They just we did them in the Rovers game, the, the the game they won in Tala, and I thought they were excellent. I thought they were really good. I mean, the balance was right. Young players. I mean, you know, Kenny Shields is, it, it wants to promote these young players. We saw Owen Toll playing that game at the weekend as well. Very well regarding. He's only eighteen or something that they got in from Armagh City. Um, in terms of a midfield three, and you've got Lowe and McNamee, McInef, I think, was just an outstanding player as well. Missing on Friday. Yeah, and I, I, but they were, fl they were flat even without them. By all accounts, I don't know if they, he, even he would have made the difference there. But it just, I, I, I can't understand where they've gone from that Rovers win in the space of a few weeks to just, just not performing at the moment. What do you make them, Renan? It's funny you ask some of our boys down in, down in Limerick what you think of Derry, and they'll say they're the best team we've played this year. Um, just from obviously playing against them and... 
Um, the way Kenny Shields has them set up, every one of them now their jobs, and listen to Galway in the night, it must have been just an off night, and you know what happens. Yeah, and apparently Cole, the centre-back, a few lads raving about him as well. I, haven't, I don't think I've seen him play, but... Uh, I know, I know it's been a difficult season for Derry, but it's just a slight, in slight danger now of petering out. I think they, they will be okay in Europe unless Limerick win the Cup, which could complicate matters. <laughs> um, and then Harps won Sligo too. A lot of talking points here. It's a massive result, isn't it? Massive result. And um, I, I have to say, I thought the Harps keeper's position now was, was really, really poor for the, for the winning goal. Um, but that having said that, then you look at the... Vinnie Farty coming in from Galway to Sligo, set up one goal, scored the other. What about Paddy McCourt, lads? Mm. Could you say anything he, bad about the goal? It's <laughs> 35 or whatever he is. He's, he's been doing that his, his whole career. and you, know, you look at the highlights and the pitch probably wasn't great up there. And to do something like that on, on that particular night was phenomenal. I think, and I think that there's been a lot of criticism of the defending of it. But at the same time, you know, this is Paddy McCourt. He, you know, he can give you the eyes, he's gone one way, you're gone the other way. You have to be so careful. So I think there, there's that comes into their minds as well. If it was someone else dribbling through, you'd have more than likely seen a tackle, I think. But because it's Paddy McCourt, people are so careful around him because they know what he can do. And I think uh, Richie Sadler was a bit critical in that regard on Soccer Republic because his control is so good. Yeah. It's so good. And you shouldn't underestimate how good... Like, the touches he did, lifted the ball a couple of times. But, like, I don't know, I, I, I would criticise defending, but I just think Paddy McCourt is it just... Like, the amount of players who said to me, like, you know what he's going to do, you can't stop it. Yeah. I'm, not, I, I'm not sure what you, you think either, Brendan, of the, of, of the winning goal. I mean, it's a huge goal for Sligo. That's like, they've won two away games this season, and it's been the last two at Cork and up in Bally Buffet, which are two difficult are away we games. Are going to call him on, on dodgy goalkeeping all but no, night no, now? <laughs> what, I think, what I think is, you're at 1-1, okay? It's late in the game and Finn Harp's obviously home. They want to win that game because they know how, how big it can be. When you look at that one ball that was knocked up the pitch and you see, I think you can hear Ollie Horgan shouting at Paddy McCourt mm. because he's the one trying to get back. But there, there, there's no one back. And all of a sudden, one, it was a Vinnie Faherty knocked it through, yeah. I think. One ball and all of a sudden you're in on goal. And it, at, at that stage in the game, I'd say Ollie Horgan and Paul Hegarty be tearing their hair out. Just on, 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 that, on that goal, um, because there was another angle of it from the perspective of the other end of the pitch, and you could see the keeper's position, Gallagher, isn't it? Mm. Come Gallagher, yeah. He was, he, he was basically t- much too close to his near post. How difficult is that when you're kind of, you, you have a corner, and then you're backtracking, and you're like, your positional sense. Mm. So like, if he were properly positioned, it wasn't, it wasn't a great shot, he would have saved it, like, but it was one of them things. Is that a difficult thing to know, where are my posts? Yeah, well, I think as as you know, opposition is attacking. You're, you're kind of always aware of, like you say, your near post, your penalty spot, and oh, you have a tendency to mark the um, the 18 yard box and the, the edge of the D. So we kind of know where where I am in in terms of you mark it line. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah. just a little little scratch with me studs, you know. So it's just it's just one of them things. He, he might have just got caught off, got caught with a with an early strike, you know, because he he he, he might have had another 15 yards ahead of him. Uh, McCabe and, and instead of dribbling he, he's gone early and might have just caught Kieran off a little bit Who's the best keeper in the league? I don't know we were only talking myself and Dave O'Connor coming back in the car because we've got to do our vote soon on the um, team of the year the team of the year so I don't know you, you look at Mark McNulty um, you know how many clean sheets he kept this year and um, I don't know it's tough do you go on clean sheets yeah and, exactly yeah. or do you go like it's it's totally different being top of the league to being bottom of the league because you're bottom of the league, you're getting peppered every game and you look great and you're making all these saves and you might concede three but make six good saves. And But when you're top of the league, you, you're going to have a lot of possession. Um, but it, it's more a concentration thing because your team has so much possession, you've got to stay tuned in so much for when the opposition attacks, you know what I mean? Like, um, But where, whereas if you're down... You're getting peppered it's probably so much. bias it's as well because, like, we're you know you're going to be looking at highlights a lot. Highlights are never yeah. going to involve the goalkeeper. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, if you, if you're top of the league, you're. I mean, the highlights would concentrate more on on your attacking. You know, you might get one save, two saves, maybe. You know, um. But like I said, when you're when you're down the bottom of the league, a lot of teams will have more possession and create more chances and you know they, they do show more saves on uh, highlights I'm, I'm not sure how the voting works could you vote for Conor O'Malley because he's gone or could he feature in the team no, I, I think you can you can choose whoever you want really so it's him or Supple to me anyway like what would you say it is um, that's a hard one now I, I actually don't think Supple's has had a, he's necessarily his best year but he's still a brilliant keeper yeah he is yeah um, 
Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it now. Would you say Brendan because he's next to us? <laughs> <laughs> two, like, two penalty saves in the last how many games is it? The Bowes game and, and, and this yeah, one now? Three, two league, uh, three league games, I think. How, how much of that, can I just ask you, is, is, is preparation? I mean, I, I guess you know who's going to be taking the penalty on the other side, mm. bar a substitution or an injury or that. How much of it is down to, to knowing where they go and how much of it is down to on the day? I think uh, you can do all the research you want, but you've got, like, Gary McCabe, for instance. Um, rarely misses. Very rarely misses. And he, he scored a penalty against me down in Marketsfield in the 5-3 game. And... He did, he went through the exact same technique, and you know, luckily enough, the Friday just gone and managed to get something on it and keep it keep it around the post. But he's he's got the quality just to to close his foot at the last second and roll it down the middle, and you know, it changes the game completely. Yeah, because there are some penalties you can't save, like if it's hit. Oh, some you know. of them. Yeah, you look at Georgie Pointons down in Cork mm. for Bohemians. He stuck it right in the top corner. And, doesn't matter who you are, you're not saving that. And uh, ju- just we're on about Conor O'Malley. Obviously, you would have known him at Pats. Like the season he's had before he moved, um, just and and which the point you made, he was he was certainly busy, he had a lot to do. But what a keeper he's matured into already. Yeah, like I said, the you know the, the confidence comes with making saves and 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 that. And like you said, Pats hadn't had the the greatest of starts, and they would he would have been a lot busier than than he would have liked and Liam and Jerry Bryan would have liked, you know. So it's just one of them things. You have good performances kind of build build confidence and you go into you go into games thinking you you know, you're unbeatable. But before we get to Limerick, just on Pats, like they're like yourselves there in it. I mean Limerick are in a better position than most teams down there and uh frighteningly close actually between five teams really that could go down. But have Pats why did you leave Pats? Is it, did you want just a new challenge? Because you, you were a Pats fan, obviously you've been there so long. Um, was there anything there that sense I, I need a just I need a fresh sort of maybe manager or I need a new club or what was it? Are you surprised by how Pats are doing this season? Well, from my own point of view, that was exactly it. I wanted I wanted something new. Um, I think I I done twelve thirteen years in total at St Pats from when I started and. You know, my last stint was five years. We'd won the league, we won the cup, we won the league cup. So I'd, I'd won. What more much. could you achieve? You know, it, it was something like that. And I, because you say I, I grew up as a St. Pat's fan and stuff like that, I didn't want my decision. I didn't want me leaving St. Pat's to be someone else's decision. Um, that wasn't the case That's this time. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Liam did. Liam done everything he could to keep me. You know, like and people think, oh, Liam didn't want you, blah blah blah. But he, Liam was. You know, he was on the phone with me. He wanted me to stay, and I just thought, given where I was in my career, I wanted something new. I wanted something fresh, and um, it was actually Eddie Hickey got in touch with me, the goalkeeping coach from Limerick. Um, wanted to know what what my contract situation was, and I was I was honest with him. I, I, was, I was open to speaking to the clubs, and and it just materialised from there. And I, I don't know if the listeners remember Eddie Hickey, but he was a really really good keeper, former Galway United as well, and mm. a great lad. And um, featured in the match program as one of the legends of the Go United team. But how, what's he like as a as a kind of a coach as well in that aspect? He's a fantastic coach. Mm. Yeah, um, he he's different. Obviously, got different. Obviously, goalkeeping coaches are different. Every single one of them is not by the same book, you know. Um, so it took maybe a couple of weeks to get used to his methods and philosophies and goalkeeping. And but once you buy into it, it's, it's fantastic, and it, it's great to be working with him every single day. And just on that, Brenda, like I've often wondered, how do how, what do goalkeeper and coaches do? Like you look at Steve Orguzovic, I think he's at Coventry. He's in his sixties now, mm. and he's still like Coventry are now in the fourth tier in England, trying to get back up. But Orguzovic is at link to when they were actually, you know, I think he might have been there when they won the cup in '87 or whatever. But what do goalkeeper and coaches do week to week? Like. How do I tell you how to be a goalkeeper? I would have assumed you knew what the job was. Like, or is it in terms of what do you expect on Friday? Well, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people think goalkeeping coaches are standing just volleyballs at goalkeepers all day, but it's not. It's you know you got to get the basics right in your movement around the goal and how quick can you get from point A to point B and technique and making saves. Do you parry? Do you catch? Stuff like that. And then you're looking. You're looking at the analysis side of things, and he'd be looking at the the opposition we have coming up. So Cork, for instance be coming up now Eddie be looking at that already and if he note, if he notices a trait of theirs they like to cross early from deep we'll work on that in training if they like to shoot from distance we'll work on that in training you know what I mean just so it's it's not the same every single week and does you know? does Neil McDonald kind of leave 
that to yourselves and he's like you know the goalkeeping coach can look after that or yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and and just i'm gonna bring you and des because you're you two lads are actually kind of mates you you got him on the show <laughs> you, you came you came into the coffee shop with a stream of notes like put me to shame and you also got our guests this week <laughs> brendan clark well well we've a link you see um without us either one of us knowing it i think we were out at um selbridge town we're both living out in selbridge there and our, our two, our, our lads, well, one of mine and, and Brendan's as well, are in the academy out there. So the future's in safe hands, definitely out yeah. there. What know? age are them lads? I have two. Um, one is seven, so he plays for the sevens and the eights. But the younger guy is in with Brendan's guy, so he's uh, six. Yours is younger. Again, five, yeah. yeah. Get on well? Yeah, there. Yeah, there's been no, no, no the two of you like. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Fixing League of Ireland one yeah. session at a time. We sit yeah. down. Yeah. The, the the lads of the academy for an Fixing hour. Fixing League of Ireland. We just want to. <laughs> yeah, let's not use that phrase. <laughs> from, uh, we'll get to that. No, later we we, as well. we we have an hour Wednesday nights where we're both there most Wednesdays. We have a chat about the games that are gone and the games that are coming up. And um, uh, yeah, it's good. now. it's nice to be able to, to to have a chat, you know, and watch the lads play. It's great. It's great to see, you know, because you operate in a pressurized environment. Obviously, mm. you know, you, you know, you're. you're maybe the best positions of the sides trying to avoid relegation this year. But we're in that situation where you can just go out and watch kids kicking around. And it's a lot more structured, I have to say, now than when, when we were probably starting out, certainly when I was starting out. But um, oh, it's great to see them just go out and actually play. Yeah, it's great to see them go out with smiles on their faces, kicking a football. And, you know, they're getting that hour of exercise. And, you know, and it, that's pretty much it. It's, it's great to see the kids learning. Um, the football way and uh, to be fair credit to Colin Cryan out in Selbridgetown yeah. he's put a, a, a great structure in he, he works with cover coaching as well come mm. into Selbridgetown and and um, put on sessions and it's it's great for the local kids and when Brendan retires you see I'm going to tap him up for our over 35s team out there as well <laughs> so you know there's, there's a plan here there's you're a long term plan way. here you're a long way north of 35 I didn't realise if there was an over 40s league I'd qualify let's yeah, just put it I that way yeah I was surprised you know <laughs> the silver fox but you don't, in fairness you don't look it but like you're, you're I think Brendan you turned 32 on Saturday Sunday Sunday uh, so you could conceivably have a long time left yes 32 is not particularly old for a keeper no well that's people say early 30s is your is your prime as a goalkeeper and you know it's, it's I think now it's the time to start really looking after your body and I think Ryan Giggs made the point of he got into yoga and stretching and all foam rolling late on in his career and I gave him another couple of years after that so yeah listen I'm not I'm not looking at joining the over 35s just yet <laughs> but uh <laughs> You know, just you know, trying to play as long as possible. Uh, I remember Alan Bennett on earlier in the year on about he was he was just about to go off to do Pilates, like, and we laughed at him. But like Pilates, yoga, and all that stuff, I I think that must be huge in terms of just elasticity and you know your ability to get around. Like, is that a thing in the League of Ireland now? Yeah, it's it's a lot. There's a lot more science has come into it now. Um, our strength and conditioning coach Joe Gamble, who obviously it's yeah. it's great because the experience he has playing in the league and abroad as well so he's bringing different different things he's picked up along the way into, into our training and you know teams are doing prehab before training and activation and everything so you know your risk of injuries a lot less what's uh, what's limerick been like for you then because like it's a big it's a big sporting city in a sporting county we saw the under 21 hurlers again victorious um and Thoman Park, of course, and the rugby and everything down there. For you going down there, getting out of Dublin and going down playing there, and I mean, you know, you could probably judge it by, you know, Shane Tracy's testimonial, which you played in on Saturday. And scored, apparently. <laughs> and scored. Yeah, yeah, tell us about the goal, actually. Ah, it, was, it was a tap in. It was <laughs> three yards out. It was a good ball in from Dean, actually, Dean Clark. So, yeah. Who'd you score against? Uh, Barry Ryan. Oh, Barry oh, Ryan. what a legend. <laughs> yes. And he was a great keeper. I heard yeah. a story lately about uh, Paul Doolan um, and he was going around to all the players and he's like, um, right lads, what would you normally have, you know, points-wise of a weekend? <laughs> and Barry Ryan was like, well, to be honest now, Paul, Saturday I'd have a good lash to it, like, and if we had a game early Sunday, I might have, you know, eight or ten afterwards as well, like, and Doolan just loved him so much he couldn't say anything because he was a great keeper. Yeah. You know. What's, what's the, the mood like there at the moment, Brendan? Um, because, you know... It's it, with the three to go down. It's it's been a tense season all the way down there. You're in in a decent position in that you're the the top of those trying mm. to avoid going down. But we, as players, when you're down there training and maybe you have a little breather, I, is it hard to avoid talk of the fixtures coming up? Who might get what? What you might need to stay up? Yeah, I think it's only human nature that you do kind of look forward to other or you look at other teams' fixtures and become the day before a game, the day of a game, all you can do is focus on yourself and and picking up three points and that and but look it's like you say, we're in the the best position. Um I think we're we're seventh, so 
You're seventh on 32 yeah. points, and you're you're only three ahead of Galway United in 11th. Exactly, that's it. So yeah. I'm missing. We're we're under no illusions that you know it is going to be a scrap right from now till the end of the season, and you know we're we're well well prepared for that, and you know we just need to put put into practice on on game nights that what the managers put into us during training. And if Chidozi, sorry, Johnny, can come up with a, another goal or two like he did at the weekend? Yeah, listen, Chidozi's been fantastic all year. He scored he scored a couple of goals similar to that, you know. Um, I was delighted from because he, he works a lot on, on his finishing. Uh, myself and himself have kind of done a bit of work on his composure in front of the goal. And You've worked on that with him? Well, I've... As from a keeper's perspective, I suppose. Yeah, listen, it's it's a case of, I think, him more hitting, hitting the target with, with pace instead of wildly slashing at a shot and maybe missing the target you know because like anything can ha- can happen once you hit the target you know so um it, being a, a senior pro kind of thing um it, it's nice to be able to um pass on little tips to, to to the younger lads and hopefully improve them uh, we, we've a few lads in the league as well with kind of i think he's a nigerian uh, background as well and obviously the two guys are bows like but uh he's the one player as well that like he's so much potential because he's so much pace and i think cork probably missed something letting him go uh, i know it caused a lot of um uproar down there that when he signed the he signed for us you know um it was a great Again, it was a great signing from our point of, view, point of view, but I think it came from Joe Gamble as well, that he knew the, the situation with, with Chirozzi and um, the, the club grant to Chirozzi and, and offered him a deal, and he, luckily for us, he signed it. It seems a long time ago now, but what was it like when Martin Russell left? It was strange, because you, you never want to see anyone anyone lose a Good job. Good man as well. Yeah, really nice fellow, Martin. I, I've known Martin years, you know, since back when he was involved coaching at Pats, 2003, 2004, so... You know, I, I even caught when he, Martin had his summer summer camps up in Luke, and I, I was one of the coaches there for him as well. So, you know, I, I have a lot of time for Martin, and you know, but that was the decision the club made at the time. And uh, as footballers, you just get on with it. Can I just say he was part of probably one of the best midfields has ever been in the League of Ireland. Himself Gormley, and and Eddie Gormley, um, and Paulo Salmon. Three, yeah. three left, three players. lefties. Although Gormley was very left and right kind of, but um, I remember when they played in Parkhead, and uh, they did a little kind of triangle that that actually gained a free but it was like Pats were under pressure at the time but they were good players oh yeah they I remember really them were. down in Cork the, the the most famous game it's one of my the, the strongest memories I have is when I, I'm no good with years so I, I can't remember what year it was but Pats used to play with the three at the back and so they had the three in midfield as well they had Trevor Malloy Ian Gilsey and Liam Braithwaite all these guys up front and it, was, it wasn't toward, maybe six or seven games from the end of the season. I could be wildly out here and people will correct me. But it came down to more or less Cork had to beat them and Cork had a very good team. And they came down and I think, I don't, fire and safety was out the window. There was, there was probably 10, 12,000 people crammed in. I was there an hour beforehand and I was stuck in the corner down by the shed in goal. There was that much of a crowd at it. And it was brilliant. It, they, they were such a good team. They knew the system they played and they played it really well. And, and they when you've got, got a lot those of set three, pieces as well. Yeah. They scored a lot of when set you've got, goals. And when you've yeah. got those three in midfield, I mean, you can't go wrong, mm. really, you know? And uh, I suppose your, your own situation at Limerick, like, how has it been, uh, you know, you've kind of wobbled much of the season where you probably wouldn't be expected to be in the bottom half, but it's so competitive as well. Like, um, what's it been like under Neil MacDonald? He seemed another nice guy, all, any dealings we've had with him. Yeah, obviously, he's, he's a different manager. He's obviously come in with his own philosophy on on how we should play and um it's it's just one of them things you get on with it as players and and try and buy into it because the manager's here for 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 longer than the players are so um it's um yeah listen i've I've enjoyed working with with neil so far and um i get on well with him i I like the uh you know the football we try and play and and uh that's pretty much it you know all you can do is just get on with it as, as a group of players and make sure everyone's pulling in the same direction for the club do you get on well with Dave O'Connor, giving your commuting up and down? Yeah, yeah, Doc, um, obviously, like you said, from Se- I'm living in Selbridge, so Doc lives in uh, Trim, drives over from Trim, and he's only got a little washing machine of a car, so I'm not <laughs> sure how far he gets up and down, so he, he comes over to Selbridge, and we, we travel up and down together, which is, uh, yeah, it, it does be interesting, yeah, any hour ar- and a half. Any arguments during the game, it's a long drive home, is it? Yeah, something like that. But luckily enough, we get, we get on well and we, we tend to pass the blame onto others even when it's our fault. <laughs> so we, we, we feel a bit better by the time we get back. You can put the world to rights in an hour and a half up that road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's it been like, the changes in the team as well? Like just kind of lads coming in and out, like lads leaving the club. Um, has that upset you at all? Or Obviously, you're losing your mates as well, I suppose. Well, that's the thing. It, it's, it's human nature again. Like I'm, I'm only there from the start of the year, but lads have been there three or four years and have really got to know players and 
human nature would say you're losing a friend like you know what i mean you're, you're used to seeing people day in day out and for them not to be anymore it can be hard like but on the other side of the coin it's your professional footballers you're in you're getting paid to play and train train hard so you know i think it it's hard off the pitch but once once you step onto the pitch you're everyone's working towards a successful limerick fc you you must be one of the few commuters are you yeah, yeah. No, there's a couple of the boys come up now from Cork. Um, John O'Flynn, Stephen Kenny, and Joe would travel up from Cork. It's just over an hour, I think, maybe. Tony Whitehead is in Charleville. That's another 45, 50 minutes. So it's uh, it's not too far, you know. Um, luckily enough now, when we have two training sessions the, the following day or whatever, um, I'll stay over that night. And if we have a game the day after, then I'll stay over again. So it's not too bad. And a whopper of a game on... Friday, the Cork Derby, or the Munster Derby. and Next uh, two, isn't it, against Cork, isn't it? Yeah, yeah semi-final league well. and semi-final. Yeah. You're playing them Friday and then the 29th in the FAI Cup. And it's kind of, it must be a bit strange because, like, clearly the league is more important. But at the same time, you're one game off playing Lansdowne Road. Like. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, first and foremost, it's it's um, secure and safety for, for this season as soon as possible. Um, that's our main aim. And um, look, if we, if we manage to get into a final, then it'll be, it'll be great. And we'll, we'll take that as it comes. But like, you know, they, they battered you earlier on the season, then they kind of battered you and turned us cross, but they're a different team now without the lads. They've lost, obviously, I would argue. Yeah, look, it's, it's obviously, Shani Maguire scored, um, I think he's on 20 goals this year, and, uh, it, you know, he was he was phenomenal when he was here. Um, going well at Preston? He's doing really well at Preston. I'm, I'm delighted he's doing well, you know, because a lot of players go over and don't really make an impact, and... I think that leads back to the argument that you're you're better off getting a ground than in in men's football in League of Ireland here and going over prepared instead of going over early like he did. He went over and come back and and uh, has really you know proved people wrong and, and gone back over and, and made himself a success. What, what's he like from a goalkeeper's point of view as a finisher when he's in front of you? He obviously his his movement first and foremost is is phenomenal. Um, he can he can get from one side of a defender to to the other and through on goal in the blink of an eye. So you've really got to be all the time. You've got to be prepared for when he has the ball, and you've got to be prepared to to make quick reaction saves. And that, that's another thing we would have worked on with Eddie when when Sean was playing. And um, you know, it's it's just one of the things you just got to be ready any any given moment that he can he can get a shot off. Where would he rank now in, in in all the years that you're in the league in terms of the top strikers that there's been? There's been quite a few good ones. Oh, look, you look at the the past strikers in the league has been has been really good. Like, and I don't know, I I, I can't look past Christy Fagan back in 2013, 2014. Um, Where has it gone wrong from though this season? He just hasn't been firing. I, 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 I honestly I don't know. Um you'd have to ask him that. I I've 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 no idea. He's still he's still top quality in my eyes. Um it's the first time I've played against him and his his movement like Shawnee's is 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 frightening, you know. He can get in and goal so quickly and um he's just such a clever footballer. He can, you can never switch off. What about Chris Forrester? He he's actually not getting his game, nor is O'Malley, but O'Malley obviously needs a bit of time. But it, it just Forrester was captain last season at Peterborough and um, I don't think he's getting his game at the moment, or certainly wasn't recently. Is is there any kind of worries for him? Because the talent he has as well. Chris is a, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Um, probably the last of a, of the street footballers that I'd have seen kind of being in the league. Um, some of the stuff he did in, in training, like he, you think he doesn't care, like the way he just goes, he, he try and nutmeg someone from anywhere, mm. and, and then he just stop and just walk around with his hands in the air, you know, like and. But uh, no, listen. He's when he went over, he was he was fantastic, and you know you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. as the manager. Are you in contact with them lads or not, no? Not I haven't. Yet. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't speak. It's funny, like when you you, like I said earlier, you're working with these lads day in day out, and someone leaves, and you think, oh, I'll keep in touch, be great. But you don't. You're just going to yeah. drift apart, and I'm sure it's happened all over the country. But I thought what was interesting when he went was, um, I remember Owen Heary. I think may have had him at Bowes when he was very young mm. for for a brief spell. But we, we remember him at Pats as being like a number 10 or often he was wide coming in. Some of the goals he scored, I remember he scored against Longford in a, a live game that we did. It was just ridiculous. I think he scored twice in that game. But he goes abroad then, in, in, or he goes to England and he, he sort of plays as number six. Um, which Carrick, I, I, I thought was quite interesting, yeah, to, to almost completely change his position. Yeah, look, he, he's such, he's such uh, his football and brain is, is frightening. Um, and obviously when he went over, the manager kind of spotted this and 
molded him into a into a number six and made him a little bit more defensive minded because obviously when he was over here it was it was your you're going forward kind of thing and don't worry about <laughs> don't worry about defending <laughs> you know the lads I mean? do that yeah we'll defend and give you the football you know that kind of thing but obviously when you go over there it's it's different managers different different ideas and you know obviously maybe someone had he had different structures and yeah everyone in the role everyone in the in the team has a job defensively and and stuff like that but obviously he uh the manager saw something in him to play him in a number six and and he done really well who are the players in the league that maybe the young up-and-coming players that would impress you at the moment uh, obviously you've got like, from my end of things in Limerick you've got Chidozzi and we've a right back now Barry Carter's come into the oh, team yeah. and he's done really well And he started out as a striker I was reading somewhere and now yeah. he's, I remember seeing him up in Bohemians the game up at Daly Mount and he played centre half he ended yeah. up going off injured but at one stage he just took off he got the ball and he was pinging 40 yards as well mm. and, and a lot of them with, accur- with accuracy but he just started dribbling at one stage and he ended up up by the, the opposition 18 yard box and you, you were just hoping that he'd keep going like and have a shot on goal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, obviously Bar- Barry's he's he's young. He's, I mean, there's no fear in in kids in in the league of Ireland these days because obviously the profile of the league has got a lot younger. Um, whether that's down to financial, you know, your teams having to play kids and and stuff like that is is a different day's argument. But um, who else have we got? You've got Ford in in. What do you make of Ford's are actually fantastic? I, I love really Ford. like him. Yeah, I really get on well with Ford as well. And um, how do was, you know him? He was with Air Nineteens. Yeah. That's right. At St Pat's, and we had him up in Minute with uh, in the university up there. So when myself and Gerard Bryan were coaching mm-hmm. up there, so um, would he have played Collingwood and all, all that through there? Would he? Or? Um, we would have. I, th- I think Ford came in just after we'd left, but we we'd have done all the. The trials and and the prep for that and and getting players in and yeah and um, but he, obviously he's gone on he would have played Collingwood from a new and stuff like that but he's another another top quality mm-hmm. I'd say he's number six in yeah. the league you know he knows his roles and gets about the pitch and tireless like his his engine is is unreal you know and you mentioned coaching there is that something that would interest you longer term yeah I think so um, at the moment I'd I'd just be looking at um, kind of a goalkeeping coaching kind of thing and the FEI recently have just changed the, the coaching pathway where you don't have to go and do your outfield badges alongside your goalkeeping one which is great for me because I've little interest in coaching outfielders at the Even moment. Even with your, your recent striker background? Well yeah well, <laughs> that's, that's another thing. And the fact he's coaching uh, Benny as well. Yeah well that, I wouldn't say coaching it's just giving him a Helped him not to lash it wide. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll have you in a coaching job by the end of this hour. <laughs> yeah. We'll be sorted. <laughs> no, it is something that 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 does interest me. You know, I've 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 done the goalkeeping coach role in in previous um, previous clubs. Have asked yeah. me to come in and do bits and pieces with them, and you know. So yeah, you're not the chairman, but how much of a disaster is it if Limerick got relegated? Yeah, well, I can only kind of speak from from my end of things. It'd be really disastrous you know I, I don't want a, a relegation on my CV um, when I retire and um, the, the players don't you know the lads that were here before don't want another relegation boys that have come in don't want a relegation on their CV so you know we'll be doing everything we can to, to you know stay up and, and keep to keep the club in the division Johnny just just on your end do you think Galway hold the key to everything here because looking at their remaining fixtures, fixtures they've Sligo yeah. at home they've Bray away Pat's home Limerick away and Dundalk home is is that the one because the one other that jumps out at me is Harps their next three games Rovers away Dundalk home Derry away I mean I thought they were going to be safe and you know you look yeah, at those fixtures and you're not so sure and the funny thing is we just at the weekend for the first time this season we went ahead of uh, one in terms of a goal or terms of a points per game average which is always interesting because we were we we were less than a point a game but now we've gone 30 uh, we've 29 from, from 28. 28. So every club except Rada who are probably gone have a decent enough. So it's going to be extremely competitive. Like we're one of the farm teams in the league at the moment. Four wins in seven. I mean, that, yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, pats away in the cup and um, really we're flying it. Like, But it's it's just mad. Like I, I, I think the games are so little between these teams. I've said it nearly all along that like, I remember Brendan when Gawi played you lads in the first round of games hadn't won a game it was like game 9 or 10 and an unbelievable goal from David Cawley mm-hmm. I remember you were in goal and it was like no one would have saved that and that turned our season around in a way yeah it does little moments like that you know you, you, you battered you, us that night yeah, for much of the game we did. battered us and like, I think that's no. been our problem kind of all season we've been on top in games and, ju- and just not converted chances into goals but 
you know, it's it's moments of of brilliance like that can you know build confidence, like I've said earlier. And instead of going back up the road to Galway with no points, you've got one point to build on. And you know, you might have won the next game. And obviously, we went to Terryland then, and you know, we we got, we got beaten three one in the league that time. You know, so do you have the character in the squad to come through this? Yep. Definitely, yep. that's, a, that's a good answer. And uh, you must be looking forward to the Turner's Cross as well, to be fair. like, um, just It'll be big for them to go for the double, and obviously they might have the league won. Well, they, in their head they might have won, but that's going to be huge. Like That'll be some occasion. Yeah, it will be. And look, I think when the draw was made, the three other teams would have wanted us. Um, I mean, if, if I was in their position, I would have wanted Limerick in the draw as well. So we'll get on there. There's all the pressure be on Cork, the home team, and r- running away with the league, and you know, little old Limerick coming out to Cork trying to get into a final. So uh, there's been zero pressure on us. But from our end of things, we'll prepare properly. We'll do all our research, and and uh, we'll get on there looking to get into a final. And I think as well when you look back to the League Cup final last year down in Marcus Field. Um, was it Lee Lynch got that brilliant goal, but Pat's just Conan Byrne in particular in the second half were just too strong. The crowd down there and the, just the appetite for success for Limerick. Great venue co- as well. Like. Oh yeah, fantastic! And uh, such a, such a huge crowd. And even at the end, when on the scoreline at least they were well beaten, the crowd were there right to the very end, and mm. you could just sense that they were thinking, you know, okay, we've lost the cup final, but we've got promoted, and now that made this year such an important year. Yeah, absolutely. I think. That occasion, like you said, the League Cup final has, has shown that you know the appetite is there for a successful Limerick uh, FC. So, um, what, do, what 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 are the chairman's ambitions? Do you think? Well, I think he he said, you know, all along that Europe is is his ambition. Um, That's also where the money is, though. It's it's just so yeah, straightforward. Now. The teams that get to Europe are a quarter of a million ahead of everyone else straight away. A hundred percent, yeah. Like I mean, if we, if we win the cup now, you're getting two hundred and seventy thousand euro into the club. So. 50 from the FEI for winning the Cup and 220 from UEFA for qualifying. So that's that's where it is. And, you know, I think a lot of clubs in the past have speculated to accumulate on that and just drop short. Um, for our end of things, the chairman wants that. Um, obviously, looking at it now, there's a different priority um, in the short term. But, in you know, the long-term plan would be for, for Limerick to, to get into Europe. Well, last question for you, actually. Your favourite European memories with Pats? Mm. Um, oh, it's a funny one. Um, probably it might sound weird playing in Hanover. Um, we'd been beaten three 0 the week before, so we went over there just to, you know, you're not you're not going to beat them over there, and just enjoy it, enjoy the occasion, and to play in a stadium like that, which it held, you know, top top European games, and just enjoy the whole experience. And to be fair, they were fantastic. They treated us with such respect, like, and uh, we, geez, we should have went one 0 up. Uh, Connor kind of hit the bar over there, and. And um, in terms of results, um, probably the game before that to get into to get into the Hanover tie because the the draw was done in between the first you knew you were the, the first leg, mm-hmm. so we got past uh, Siraki Brieg from Bosnia, and uh, after extra time actually, and you know Richmond Park was rocking that night, um, probably because the fans knew they were going to Germany for a, for a few <laughs> beers, you know. <laughs> uh, but no, listen, as players, you 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 want to look back when you retire and and. Remember, remember games like that, and and stadiums you've played in, and players you've played against, and you see on uh, you see on 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 Twitter if Stindl does really well in Germany, you see yeah. Berm or Sean O'Connor talking about yeah. him because yeah. you know you could tell at the time that there are so many levels above the League of Ireland, you know, and how good these players are, it's it's frightening. I think that's what was very notable when he left Pats. Like the Pats fans were so like um, thankful for his services, and there was yeah. no animosity. Um, could you ever end up back at Pats? Never say never. It's, it's the League of Ireland. You never yeah. say never. It's the League of Ireland. <laughs> it's the League of Ireland. <laughs> You'll end up playing for everyone at some stage. Bray <laughs> Wanderers have signed Brendan Clark on an eight-year deal. <laughs> you, um, my thoughts on the League of Ireland would be never burn your bridges with anyone. Yeah. Managers, coaches, clubs. Media. Anyone. <laughs> never never burn your bridges with anyone because the league is so small. It, Who, yeah. It, Who's going to end up better player? Uh, who's going most likely to play League of Ireland? Your young lad or your two? That's a bit That's of a hard question. One, I think all of them will. Yeah. You know? ah. <laughs> Brendan, great to have you on. No bother. And best of luck against Cork. I personally hope that you don't win that game. In fact, I hope you lose, but uh, hope you win against him in the cup. That's <laughs> uh, fair enough. Great to have you on. Thanks, Brendan. No bother. I always love an old podcast. 
Des, we, we struggle sometimes to get guests on from other clubs and, um, you know, maybe we had a lovely interview with Ronan Murray. Unfortunately, that was a phoner, but even lately he got the Player of the Month last week and I think it was hosted in Bell Mullet, which would be the equivalent of asking, like, a Dublin journalist to go to, like, Kiev or something like that, basically. <laughs> you know, Bell Mullet is a long way away. Um, by the way, my, my heart bleeds for Mayo. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, that, was, that was hard to watch. Thanks yeah. for getting BC on. Um, no problem. He's a good guy, isn't he? Good guy. Mm. And... Um, I thought it was an interesting interview, actually. You know, you're, the, the whole Limerick situation is just intriguing because I thought Russell was a bit hard done by and Neil MacDonald seems a good bloke. But I remember Clinton Morrison on Soccer Republic saying, I, didn't, I never thought he'd be a manager. I thought he'd be a, an assistant manager. And his CV as an assistant manager is way ahead nearly of any League of Ireland manager. Mm, yeah. But that, that'll be interesting. Now, their, their form is kind of... I don't know, they, they beat Harps in the Cup, they obviously beat Bowes, they got a draw against Bray, probably should have lost the game, beat Galway United in the Cup as well. They've won two of their last 11, Johnny, and that's, that's not enough. Even though they're in a good yeah. position, they're, they're picking up points here and there. I think, like everyone else down there, two wins back-to-back and everything looks different. Uh, I think, though, they took a gamble bringing in a guy mid-season with no League of Ireland knowledge. I think League of Ireland knowledge is big. It's a very yeah. quirky league. And it's it's a league that's constantly evolving. I mean, and I was only thinking this the other night, like um, the the days when it was played on bog pitches, like now compared to now, like where the ball you just expect it to be a good game now, like. Um, and he's coming into this doesn't have much knowledge. Things are expected of them, you know. Even Brendan said the talk is Europe, like so. This is a failure for Limerick this season, regardless of what happens, unless they win the cup. I would argue. The one thing I would think is. Martin Russell, I remember him at UCD. I used to love going watch UCD when Martin Russell was played in charge. Ball. Just played ball. And I think Limerick are a team that want to play ball as well. And so if the manager is coming in, as you said, if he doesn't have the experience of League of Ireland, I don't think you can change too much. You can't change everything. I mean, you know, Frank De Boer is the obvious example. You know, you go from Dutch football into Italian football and try and implement a Dutch philosophy. Italians aren't having that. You move into Crystal Palace. You know, they're, they're not going to play immediately the way you want them to play. So I think from Neil McDonald's point of view, you change what you can, and you mentioned the ch- turnover of players. You bring in where you think you can strengthen as well, and you see if they, that can get you through what you need to get through. And then, you know, in an ideal world, you're in for another full season. You get a pre-season with the players. You make a few more changes, and then the next season's better. Um, but we, we have a massive problem here with regard to the 10-team league and the changes that this will bring about, and maybe the, the problems that are there already. And this is the wasteland that the First Division is and has been for a long time. And we've had the fortune of having Ger Rowe on, and uh, I've, it's just something I've been thinking about of late. The standard in the non-league against the First Division is worryingly similar. It's funny you say I, I I'd watch a fair bit of Leinster Senior League now. I was out at an Intermediate Cup game last Friday. How is this um, guy not on the show more often? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Mokta's and Bangor, and yeah. Mokta's are like, they're a serious team. They, they won the league last year for the first time by one goal on goal difference. That's oh how God. tight it was. Mo- the most incredible league season has ever been. But you've got them, you've got Bluebell, who did really well in the FAI Cup this year. They beat Cabin Teeley and, and beat them well out in Cabin Teeley. Um, you've got those two. You've got Crumlin, of course, as always, who will be there. Uh, the likes of Bangor. Cholester started really well this season and they just lost at the weekend for the first time against, uh, who was it, Furhouse Clover, someone like that. But there are players there who are definitely able and capable of, of playing at least in the first division. Maybe it's a question of demands on their time. They've got work. You know, maybe, maybe they're happy doing, doing the job they're doing. Anto Murphy's playing for, for Moctis at the moment, playing centre-half, spraying the ball around. Didn't lose his long throw the other night, though, which was very long disappointing. Throw, yeah. didn't, didn't use didn't it. Use didn't it. use it. Centre-back take really the dis- Maybe it's the manager saying, no, we're not going to play that you, way. If you look at that loan and, say, Wexford, um, clubs like that, uh, they can't... Okay, so they've, they've going to have an under-13, 15, 17 and 19 team to pay for, right? Yeah. And then... They're going to have to have a pseudo-professional setup on the senior side, right? But it, it's virtually impossible for them to attract crowds at the bottom of the first division. As long as I'm sporting the first division, that has ever been the case. Like, yeah. 100 people at a game, and if it were less than 100, put down 100 anyway. So, where are we going to end up with this? Where, where it, Clubs are now unable to attract some players because they'd be happier playing the Leinster Senior League for possibly the same money, you know, without getting into it, at yeah. least expenses or whatever, let's put it that way. Where is this going to end up? Even if, And this gets my, my main point. If Limerick get relegated, Pats get relegated, right? It's going to be a strong first vision next year per se. This is an absolute calamity for Limerick. Like, how does Brendan Clark approach next season? Okay, um, 
Where are we going to get all the money for to pay the wages? How are we going to get the crowds in? Do I want to do, uh, you know, uh, what's the, the Italian great keeper, uh, Buffon on it and play down the first division? Do I, do I want a decision my career to play in this absolute black hole that is the first division? Where, where is the answer to the first division problem? Well, there's been a there's been a few put forward, I suppose, that like making it a an extended Premier Division, but of course we're moving in the opposite direction of that now, and, and that's why this has been such a tense season for six clubs down there trying to think exactly as you're saying. You know, if if we go down, I mean, what effect is this going to have? You know, we're go- our best players are going to go. The the top teams will pick those up. Then we're you're looking at playing maybe some of your under 19s coming through. And you look at teams going down, it's no, it's no automatic guarantee you're going to come back up either. I mean, Waterford, we know Waterford have put a lot into it on and off the pitch to make sure they do get up this season. You want to give a mention to Cove Ramblers as well, who've had an outstanding season. And have gotten crap crowds. Pushing them close. Like. Yeah, yeah, and, th- and even at the fighting for promotion, the first division just isn't, doesn't do it. So, I mean, what, what are we talking about then? Can, can you go out and can you market the game better in, the, in these towns? I mean, Cove, Cove is a good town. It's a good sporting town. They got, like, Cove Wanderers got to the FAI Intermediate Cup. Rebrandis. Mick Devine playing in goal. I, I don't know. I wouldn't... I, I think Cove Ramblers, even going back to those cup finals, when they got to them, was a Sligo they played back in the day. Cove Ramblers, and I've played down in Coleman's Park, and there's something about the colours that they have... Mm. They're they're a team with a history. Mm. I would I wouldn't go I wouldn't go rebranding or anything, but something has to change. You've got to, you've got to sixteen team league, yes or no? Mm. It's obviously not going to happen, but it, it's the aspiration of a lot of people. I I, I think. Do you think it would work? I think there's a lot of merit thinking about it because if you take the best sixteen teams in the republic at the moment and Derry, right? So you would have, for argument's sake, the twelve teams that are there right now, and you could bring in Watford, yeah, um, Shelburne. Uh, and then if you're looking at sort of potential, maybe Athlone Town and uh, possibly Longford, just just off the top of my head, right? So they could attract teams every week that fans want to see. And then the other clubs that the are rest? left. Yeah, what happens okay. to the rest? So what I would do then is have a, a regional sort of non-league um, team, or system rather, because the first division at the bottom is almost like, it's not even professional at the moment, it's basically amateur, I don't think Wexford play their players, I don't know how Atlone could be playing, paying players, so maybe, and then their aspiration is to get to the Premier Division, so at least these teams that are in limbo for years are playing at the top level, now whether that brings down the standard of the top teams in the Premier or not, that's another argument. But the crowd problem will still exist then, because... You know, if you're one of the teams that's not playing in the 16 Premier and you're playing, as you said, more of a regional league, or not, you know, you're not going to get the crowds for that. But then if you do get promoted, how suddenly do you get the crowds then? Is it just because you're playing in the Premier Division? Mm. You know, you'd, you'd hope you, you, your hardcore supporters will follow you wherever you are. Okay, uh, we have to finish up on this, Des. I think it's one we could definitely have a discussion on. Um, and I, I okay, I, my answer to the whole thing is an All-Ireland League. And I think we could have two divisions then comfortably enough, possibly regionalised. Anyway, that's Can I just mention happen. something before we move on, just before we move on from Limerick, actually? you're the voice of Ace <laughs> Board, of course you can. Man. <laughs> a mention for Yvonne Tracy, Shane Tracy's sister, who played in that testimonial at the weekend and actually scored more than Shane did himself. Beautiful. Hattrick, beautiful. player. Um, all right, but we, we were trying to get a Watford representative on, but uh, either they're celebrating or <laughs> there's been a few issues there. But congratulations to Watford, fair play to them. They did what people expected, but also kudos to uh, Stephen Henderson for magnanimously congratulating at the weekend, despite the fact that this one promotion system was foisted on them against their will at the start of the season. This is where it gets tough for you, Desi boy. You're going to have to do a bit of predictions here with me, um, starting off with Bowes and Patrick's. <laughs> Again, this is a game. <laughs> Pats, with a different one. <laughs> Pats need to win this game because basically, and we don't have much time here, but Pats okay. have to win. I'm going to go for. Bows are hot and cold. Um, home win. Was that the one that Pats won big? Was that the one Conan Bowen yeah. yeah, yeah, earlier in the season. I think long way. I think Bows will remember that. I, I think that's a draw. Let's wrap this one up quickly. Dundalk will beat Rada. Yeah. Go United, Sliger Rovers. Oh, now, that, that's a big one. Now, Sliger Rovers are expecting 500 fans or thereabouts at this game, right? We had a terrible crowd at home. I would implore the people of Galway to get their ass in gear. Don't go on a Lewis that has a horse and cart in front of it and get down to support us. We're a city, it's, it's Galway culture night, I think. The culture of Galway, to my mind, is drinking. Um, get yourself out of the boozer and go to see professional football played with heart by local players who are not playing for huge money and are trying to survive uh, in the Premier Division as are the Sligo players this is real action this is real culture and I'm God, I tip, want to go now I'm going to tip well you're going with me on Monday night in Chicago <laughs> go United home win 
Oh, um, not hugely confident though. Will Michael D be there? Will he? It's a big one. He's uh, down with the ploughing today, I think. Is he? Yeah, I, I imagine he'll try to yeah. make his best effort to go to this game. I think Galway, yeah, might, might just have a bit, a bit more in the final third. So yeah, Galway for me. Whopper of a game in Markets Field, Limerick against Cork City. Yeah, um, it's it's still hard to look beyond Cork. I think. And I think in the Munster Derby, you mentioned earlier when you were talking to Brendan, you know, Cork have had the better of that this year. And I think, um, particularly with that FAO Cup game looming as well, I think Cork will have enough there. Very tough one. I'm going to go for a draw. Derry City against Bray Wanderers. Uh, we don't have time to go into the Bray Wanderers um, no. problems, but I, I think there may be a bit more on that in the next while in terms of that um, allegations about the friendly game and so forth. But um, Derry were rubbish against Galway and they'll have to do a lot better. I think they'll probably have enough to win this. Yeah, I think they will as well. I think they'll bounce back from that. And then Rovers against Harps. Um, it's a very interesting one. Grace will obviously be back. Uh, the boy Burke will not be back. But Rovers should have enough about them. They're really playing well in general the they last are. while. And it's, I suppose it's about how they react now. Because mm. there'll be desperate disappointment. Because this was the one. This was the trophy that they said, okay, you know, the FAI Cup, great. But that's, that's further down the line. This was the one they said they needed to win. Um, and they didn't. So it's how they react to that. Um, Finn Harps, as I said, this is the start of three really tough games for them. If they can get a point out of this, it'd be great. But I, I don't see it. Don't see it either. I'm going to go for a, a home win there. And on Monday night then, uh, the boy, uh, Curran and I could be both in actually in Inchicore. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. I live just down the road. Pats against Rovers and uh, Cork against Dundalk. We won't give predictions on that because no. uh, we've, we've run out of time. Um, thanks very much for listening to episode 31 Des it's been great to have you the missing ingredient was Curran <laughs> it's oh, been a pleasure will we go get the subway melt or is that finished yeah, is it? it's finished at 11 o'clock <laughs> I'm going to call down here tomorrow to get the subway melt and if you're in the general uh, Houston South Quarter region until the end of the week a, a, a hungover <laughs> melt for 99 <laughs> cents uh, 6, 6 inch and thanks a million to Sean Gannon for coming on and also to the great Brendan Clark um, who is trying to get Limerick over the line in their back against relegation and we'll see you next week for when is Dan back does anyone know nobody knows Dan (laughs) if you're listening in we love you we miss you and we might see you for 32 if not 33 if not we're going to have to look at your future really you know Um, thank you all for listening